0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day. You're listening to Locked On College Football Kickoff Live with myself, Drake Toll of Locked On Big 12, Kenton Gibbs of Locked On ACC, and Alex Dono of Locked On Kings. Live every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern time, wherever you get your Locked On favorites on YouTube. Let's take a look around the country in college football happy friday everybody and welcome into locked on college football kickoff live your place for all things college football 11 a.m to noon eastern time every single friday wherever you get your locked on podcast on youtube thanks for making locked on college football kickoff live your lunchtime listen every friday that is alex dono of locked on canes that's Kenton gibbs locked on acc and locked on wolfpack Drake Twelve locked on Big 12 with you here. And guys, another week of madness in college football with top 25 matchups like Penn State, Ohio State, Tennessee going to Alabama, Duke, Florida State, Utah, USC. But the big story right now, sign stealing in the Big Ten. Michigan, Jim Harbaugh under fire for something, Kenton, that Jim Harbaugh says he had no idea about.
2: Yeah, you know, I... I'll tell you what, my pinky had no clue that my thumb picked up a cup today either. (laughs) Everybody's confused these days, you know what I mean? I I don't understand why everybody's after little old Jim Harbaugh, but I will tell you this. If he is, in fact, found guilty of these uh, alleged violations, if he did, in fact, send a staffer to watch Brian Ferentz-led Iowa offense, (laughs) and then... He sent the staffer to watch Minnesota, Minnesota, with B.J. Fleck and Row in the boat. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a sicko. He's a sicko <laughs> that has violated multiple international laws, and he needs to be on the watch list. He needs to be on the watch list. All I'm saying is, if he violated these rules, he needs to have to go to everybody in his neighborhood, knock on the door, and say, I'm Jim Harbaugh. I forced somebody to watch Brian Affairs office. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying.
1: Dono, I have always heard, you know, I was in and around the Baylor scandal in 16, which was certainly not close to this, but the one thing that was echoed constantly was the head coach knows everything that happens in a pro. The head coach knows everything that occurs, and that applies for the biggest, the smallest and scandals like this. I I find it hard to believe if this happened that Harbaugh was in the dark. And that's what
3: should be assumed by the Big Ten, by Michigan, by the NCAA, if these allegations, which are turning into an NCAA investigation, are proven Then you have to assume Jim Harbaugh knew what was going on. And if he mm-hmm. didn't, that's on him for hiring the people who are responsible for this. Because right now, what Harbaugh is trying to do through his own statements and through his lawyer is create plausible deniability, right? Where, you know, Tony Soprano didn't necessarily know or at least thought you don't know what the guys are, are up to that are three rungs below me, right? That's yeah. what Harbaugh is trying to go with here. Uh, and I think we're all learning a lot about college football today since these allegations have come out. I will admit I've covered this sport for a long time. I didn't know that since 1994, you're not allowed to do in person Advanced scouting of opponents that that's an NCAA violation. That you're only allowed to watch film for the simple reason of you're not going to pick things up on film that you would pick up in person, which come to signs and sign stealing opportunities and all of that. And you know, the person who could end up being the fall guy here, uh, or at least the one that I think Harbaugh is going to make the fall guy here or try to. Is a staff member, Connor Stallions, who's an off-field analyst for the Wolverines since May of 2002. That's when the allegations start to come up here. Uh, He's been a a coach in some capacity at Michigan going back to 2015, where he called himself a volunteer coach at that time. He seems to be the one that the NCAA considers the person of interest for organizing this, but I completely agree with both of you guys. I mean, this is – if this is proven, again – this has got to come down on Harbaugh. And if I'm Michigan and I'm looking at my head coach, well, didn't you know we just suspend him or he suspended himself or whatever that was for three games for completely separate violations, recruiting violations during COVID? This is just another strike here. So I'm interested to see what comes out of this and if this could actually put Jim Harbaugh on the hot seat at Michigan.
1: I can. it, it. It's always the weird rogue staffer that did it. It's yeah. never the head yeah. coach's fault. It's one guy went, but Donnie, what what year was that that he got to Michigan? This assistant coach got to Michigan. 2015. The guy's been there for eight years. Yeah, the guy's yeah. been there for eight years, and one day woke up <laughs> and said, "I'm going to go underneath the head coach, behind his back, and I'm going to orchestrate this big whole deal. where We're going to scout out opposing teams' signals." Kenton, none of this is making any sense. How about this?
2: How about this? Okay. I heard that Michigan State is looking for a new head coach. I'm hearing that Michigan may be looking for a new head coach. You know, I've been in North Carolina for about a decade now. I told myself that I was going to avoid coaching. But if need be, you know, I I know that y'all got out of paying uh, Mel Tucker $90 million or so. I know that U of M is probably going to get out of paying uh, Harbaugh a ton of money as well. All I'm saying is. Us three need to get out to this, get out of this here uh, recording booth, and, and head on up to Michigan. Okay, I promise you, we'll run a clean program.
1: We won't, but, steal, signs. We won't steal signs. We won't
2: steal signs. I wouldn't t- know the first thing about how to steal a sign, so we're good. <laughs> we we won't steal anything but money from the programs. That's it. That's it. <laughs> we'll we'll get away with some legalized bank robbery, but very seriously, I don't understand what is going on with these coaches. That you are in a position where the world is in your hands. If you look at Michigan's roster, objectively speaking. They are a a virtual all-star team compared to the rest of the conference with the exclusion of Penn State and Ohio State. What are you doing? You don't need to do this. You are better than everybody by a mile. And and the the part that really blows me about this the most is Jim Harbaugh is a guy who prides himself on doing it the right way, Mm -hmm. who talks about, oh, some people were born on third base and, and think they hit a home run. Well, brother, if you illegally stole those bases, you're on third base too, and you didn't hit a triple. So I, I I look at this situation and it's very disappointing to me because again, it's very similar to the Mel Tucker situation, and regardless of the legality of what has happened or whatever, this is still a black eye for your university. It's a black eye on your personal profile, and you're you're potentially forfeiting, and, and this is crazy to say, eight figures. Yeah. Eight figures. Over what? For what? If you didn't think your team could win, go to Rich Rod route. Rich Rodriguez ran Michigan into the ground, got his checks, and left. He just, he left. What are we doing here that you feel the need to cheat in this way that is now, after you've already just come back from a suspension, put yourself in more jeopardy?
1: Yeah. Guys, before we look at the biggest games this week, though, I want to go back and give some credit where it's due to a team like Washington that went went out against Oregon, who had some questionable coaching decisions and clock management there late. And Dono, the Huskies remain undefeated. It looked like a true playoff caliber team right now.
3: That was uh top to bottom, probably the best college football game I've watched all season. It had yeah. a little bit of everything. There were plenty of times when I thought Oregon is going to win this football game. No Washington is. And, you know, unfortunately the, the last gasp came down to a college kicker doing what college kickers sometimes do on the Oregon side. But at the same time, uh, Michael Penix Jr., I thought was when you look at individual players and that big Penix power, he was probably the biggest individual week. <laughs> I was wondering if someone would catch that. He now, was that's biggest- awesome.
1: I think it just took us a second. <laughs> no way Donna said that. The Italian said man it. in the hat, him in, in the windows. Usually it's Ken and I, but all right, yeah, Donna, yeah. he
3: had onward. He had the biggest game a quarterback has had this year, and he had his potential Heisman moment, guys. And, you know, and and that's in the very same weekend that last year's Heisman winner probably unfortunately took himself out of the running with a tough loss in a three interception game in Caleb Williams. So we could see the changing of the guard here, and Michael Penix Jr. now becomes the clear, if he wasn't already frontrunner for the Heisman Trophy, and the Washington Huskies, this is a team I am taking very, very seriously as a national championship contender. So that was an unbelievable
1: dub for them. Kenton, do you buy that? Washington possibly winning a title this year? Absolutely. That man, Trent Penix, has a rocket for a left arm.
2: I told y'all last week in picking these games, the lucky lefty was going to get it done. And the reality is, Coach Landing is doing it. For substance, not the clicks. He's doing it for substance. That's why he went for it on fourth down all those times. It's not Hollywood. It's not Hollywood. Yeah, it's not Hollywood. They're playing it on the grass. Well, guess what? You just got your tail whooped on the grass, and it's your fault, Dan. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. Next time, spend a little bit more time focusing on your team and your strengths and weaknesses. And I think the funniest thing about this, the funniest thing about people not looking at his blunder, because I don't think his blunder was as bad as Mario Cristobal's. I don't think it was as bad. But it's no, near it that. it wasn't. <laughs> it's, it's near that for this reason. Three different times you go for it on four. Two of those, you were well within field goal range. If you hit one of those field goals, just one of them, this is a enti- this is an entirely different game. If you hit both, you win. You win the football game. So, all in all, I, I just very much so like to thank uh, Michael Penix for making me right here. I always appreciate being right. And, you know, they said that left-handers are the, uh, devil service, but guess what? That man was giving them hell all afternoon on that day.
1: This week, guys, biggest game of the week is, is really not close. we got a top 10 matchup 11 AM on Fox between Penn state and Ohio state locked on Nittany Lions host Zach Seiko joins us now. Zach State, locked on Nittany Lions, Penn State, Ohio State. Give me your case for those Nittany Lions to get it done in what would be an, an upset, a four and a half point upset on the road this week. Yeah, and for it to be, I mean, it's going to be an
4: upset, but this is a very close game. I mean, you, the margin's not very far. At Penn State, I think on a neutral field, is actually a favorite in this case, but the Nittany Lions have taken a leap forward here. Uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, in my opinion, have taken a slight step back, and Penn State also catches Ohio State. Uh, for, unfortunately for college football fans, just in a better spot. As, as a central college football fan, Ohio State's banged up. between, And it's not just a couple key, uh, rotational guys. Rabion Henderson, Mecca Ibuka, Mayan Williams, to your top two running backs, to your second-best wide receiver with Marvin Harrison, Jr., But Penn State, let's not talk about the guys that are unavailable for Ohio State. How about the guys that are available for Penn State? I mean, this is a team that is littered with first-round talent, specifically on defense. Kalen King, Chop Robinson. I'd even argue that Curtis Jacobs could be a fringe day one pick. But uh, And then just factor in that Penn State now has Drew Aller, Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen. On offense, the talent is there, and Penn State has finally closed that gap that was pre- pretty wide, especially the past three seasons between these two teams.
2: Wow. always oh, great to hear a technician get love on this show. You knew I was uh. going to do it as soon as you shouted out Kayla King. But now, yeah. let me ask you this. Last time you were here, I asked you who the unheralded players are that could show out and have a big game. But let's just be honest. There is a reason that they're the underdogs. Who are the players that you're looking at on Penn State that you're saying, this player has to have a big game they may not be a, a household name but this player if they have a big game if they do a good job of neutralizing such and so from ohio state we win this game hands down who are you looking at
4: well kenton i appreciate that question i actually already had a little bit of preparation for this because i did that in my individual game preview on Locked on nittany lions dante cephas it is dante cephas who transferred in Penn State, all the lofty expectations that, hey, this was the next guy or this was the one that was going to at least help Penn State because the wide receiver room is one of the weaker links on the team if you can find any on this Penn State team. Dante Cephas is quick. He's fast. He's the one that gives you that deep threat ability. You look at the statistics, Penn State has only attempted 11 passes of 20-plus or more yards. With Drew at quarterback, who has one of the better arms, in the country and all in all of the country and nobody has stretched the field nobody has tried to stretch the field Dante Cephas has done this once and I think about this they Penn State has been very tight to the vest with what they want to show anybody because they've had that fortune you played that type of schedule I get it they're not battle tested but that was also an opportunity for them to conceal some plays that they're going to need against Ohio State and Michigan Penn State's thinking long term here you don't why would you call these kinds of plays against Illinois, Northwestern, Delaware, even Iowa? You were able to hide some stuff away from Iowa, who's probably going to go 11 and 1 and be the team in the Big Ten West. Dante Cephas needs to become that household name because now you've had the bye week. There, there's no excuses anymore while well, he transferred in late. Uh, there, there's some things he needs to pick up with the playbook. That's at this point, now that you're past the bye week. Those can't be, that can't be the excuse anymore. I was making that excuse for him. I've run out of time here. If Penn State wants to help out the run game in itself, keep Ohio State's defense honest, Dante Cephas over the top, at least to open things up schematically so that
3: the ground game isn't smothered by a Jim Knowles who's going to try to sell out for it with cover zero. And two incredible defenses in this game, Ohio State in the top 10, Penn State number one, and Manny Diaz doing a tremendous job. Uh, I I didn't love him as a head coach in Miami, but I absolutely loved him and still love him as a defensive coordinator. Uh, What are some of the key matchups there? Because obviously Ohio State littered with top wide receivers left and right, and their offense seems to be finding themselves, they're a lot better than they were at the start of the year. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And that's going to happen with a first year starter
4: and quarterback Kyle McCord, uh, a first-year offensive coordinator in Brian Hartline. Uh, those, those, When you make that kind of change, I think that hasn't been talked enough about for the Buckeyes here, but now they're at the midseason point, too. Same thing with Penn State. They've had to kind of figure it out with a new starting quarterback and some small changes here and there. As far as what you're asking about defensive matchups, it's that pass rush, that blitz-heavy defense from Manny Diaz, who calls havoc-type plays. Blitz plays 56% of the time. That leads the country, and it's not even close. And off and the Ohio State offensive line, typically a top five unit at least over the past five years, has taken a significant step back. And the tackles are more unreliable. The interior of the offensive line for the Buckeyes, pretty good. They they return two starters at guard, but the tackles that's your questionable play. And where does all the Penn State's pressure come from on the outside? Chop Robinson. Adisa Isaac, and then you send those cornerback blitzes from any which way. And Kyle McCord, a first-time starter, he C.J. Stroud didn't run a lot, but C.J. Stroud was mobile. He could tuck it and run when he had to. And Justin Fields, we know he was a true dual-threat quarterback. Kyle McCord is not that, so that's the matchup I'm really honing in on from Penn State's defensive perspective. And it helps when. Henderson is not 100%. Don't know if he's going to play or not. Uh, same thing with Mayan Williams. And then Mecca Abuka. So you can focus a little more on Marvin Harrison Jr. Because a Julian Fleming and those inexperienced freshmen, with all the potential in the world, I get it, are not where they need to be for this game specifically.
1: Zach Seiko, locked on Nittany lines. Before we get you out of here, give me a school prediction on this game with Ohio State and Penn State. The total's taken a nosedive, and, and, and rightfully so. I mean,
4: both these teams statistically are very good defensively. Penn State averaging one point. Everyone talks about the secondary. The run defense has one, has allowed just 1.8 yards per carry. That That's Madden on rookie mode and franchise type of numbers here. So uh, the Nittany Lions, I, I get it. The The competition hasn't been the greatest. Ohio State has been battle-tested with Notre Dame. Penn State played Iowa and West Virginia and handled them pretty well. We're finding out, uh, Drake, you know this, West Virginia is much better than advertised. I'm yeah, going to go 27-22. It's going to be a I, – I go with the weird score for Ohio State because I don't think they'll have any problems moving the football. It's getting down into the red zone where they've been average. They've been okay. And Penn State, when especially if you don't have Henderson and Williams at full strength and the, the play gets a little tighter down there, you're not going to, when it gets too close to the end zone, you are not going to have that capability of pushing the line of scrimmage forward and Ohio state's going to settle for field goals. Penn state's going to get that pressure, cause some turnovers and short fields and what they've been doing,
1: grinding opponents down to a victory. 27, 22 Penn state, not just to cover an outright win for the Nittany lines at Zach Seiko yeah. of locked on Nittany lines. Zach, thanks for joining locked on college football kickoff live. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it.
3: Guys, if you've benefited from therapy, I know I have, or you want to give it a try, you need to give BetterHelp a try. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Folks, sometimes in life, you may struggle to manage your time. Your brain never stops moving. I know at times I've struggled with managing my family life, with my work life. If you've been thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire. To get matched with a licensed therapist, and if for whatever reason you want to find a different match, you can switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. Make your brain your friend again with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash locked on college today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. BetterH-E-L-P.com/slash locked on college.
1: Guys, it is time for my favorite segment. That is sell me why he and before we get into a little lecture this week and before we get into the actual sell me why's and clips from across the channel here, Ken, I, I think I'm sold the Penn State Nittany Lions. This was not an emotional no. Zach Seiko. This was not a an overly charged fired up for a big game. Zach Seiko. This was numbers, facts, figures, who plays, who doesn't Penn State has the edge in this game somehow.
2: Uh, Drake told, I need you to do your best Harbaugh impression and go watch that young man uh, record his shows in person because that was a fired up Zach Sagan. Mm. I'm sorry to tell you. Oh, <laughs> no. That, that, was that was not emotionally man, charged. That young man is no. very even keeled. He's he's a smooth operator. I'm telling you. He never gets too high, never gets too low. Regardless of what's going on at Penn State, he's going to come on and be the same guy. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I'm sold, too. I I love Penn State in this one, too, because, number one, Ohio State is banged up, which he referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. But number two, we talk about Ohio State is battle-tested against some better teams and all that. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to be honest. Notre Dame has a ton of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in them. Mm-hmm. And even beyond that, in terms of your physical play, they finished out the game with 10 players on the field for the last two players. And where was the ball run, Dono? You, you watched that game. Where where was that ball run, Dono?
1: Oh, in the middle? Uh,
3: it was ran where the 11th guy would have been. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, yeah, where, where the 11th guy was. More
1: specific, Dono. He's and, a football and, player. He
3: had
2: 10 men on the field. But, but, that, but that's my point. That's my point. Penn State's not going to have that problem. James Franklin has historically had troubles winning the big one, right? That's been the thing. But here's the thing. James Franklin has never had the horses in the stable that he has right now. I think it's fair to have that criticism of coaches who have had all the biggest names, all the stars, all that. James Franklin is just now getting that. And I think that he shows it. I think he shows why, you know, at the end of the day, there are questions about Ryan Day's ability to win a big game as well. And I think that this one elevates those questions up until he plays that school up north.
1: Yeah. Dono, you're buying that here. You like a Penn State. You can sell me as far as covering
3: the four and a half point spread. Um, I'm still and and I, I'm going to stick with that. So I am I am betting Penn State plus four and a half. At, at the same time, I think this is going to be a very close game. Uh, I like how Zach mentioned if it was you know at a neutral site or if it was at Happy Valley. Of course, Penn State would probably be favored. I do still see value when Ohio state is the home team in a tough place to play, packing over a hundred thousand fans in there. Uh, The injuries on the Ohio state concern me from a Penn state side. Liz, I know we can say it a hundred different times, they have been a dink and dunk team this year, whether that's just by design or taking what the defenses give to them. I still can't automatically say, Hey, the downfield passing game is going to go from zero to 60 against Ohio state's top 10 defense. So, um, as far as picking a straight-up winner, I could see Ohio State winning by a point, three points, but I am taking Penn State plus
1: four and a half. So we got a, a comment here from Mr. Jones. The Big Ten is weak. In the SEC, Ohio State would be Kentucky. Now, that's, that seems pretty hyperbolic to me, guys. You can see Kenton Gibbs to see you rolling your eyes here for Mr. Jones. Um, pass me a bottle. This guy's obviously been drinking, Kenton.
2: I, he hasn't just been drinking. Get him <laughs> blood tested.
1: Get Usada involved. You get a, I get a Counting Crows let's, reference anybody. Get Anybody I, here?
2: Listen, all I'm saying is let's see if he's off some beaver tranquilizers or something like that as well because this is ridiculous. Where does the SEC get off? I get it. You've won a lot of championships. You have historically been the best. I'll give you every bit of props for that. I'll give you every every bit of kudos. Clap it up for the SEC, everybody. Clap it up for the SEC. But uh, yesterday's price is not today's price in the words of Fat Joe yesterday's price is not today's price we live in a performance what have you done for me lately industry and last time i checked folks the sec did not have a winning record out of conference against the power five this year did they three and uh, six uh, right Three, and six. three and oh, six. oh okay yeah. so Seven. so somehow somehow i'm supposed to believe that this three and six conference the conference that made north carolina look unbeatable made their defense look like the 85 bears the conference that made Quinn Ewers look like the next coming of Peyton Manning. The conference that had multiple teams walk into their trap and take over their trap in non-conference. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, because they're playing each other and it's somebody's certain to the top. Oh, they're the best. Oh, the big 10 kicking people. Oh, uh, no. Ohio State's just
1: Kentucky. Come
2: on. Come on. You Ohio State is Kentucky. I'm going to just tell you this. I'm going to just tell you this. I hate to quote Tar Heels, but I'm gonna have to do it. I'm gonna have to quote the most famous Tar Heel of all time. Stop it! Get some help. Some
1: help. <laughs> Mr. Jones, having grown up in Arkansas, SEC country, I think Ohio State is Vanderbilt. I love the sentiment there, yeah. Mr. Jones. Thank you very much. Well, and I gotta—I'll I'll give Mr. Jones a pass because I've—I've <laughs> driven—I've driven through SEC country before,
3: specifically when you get into Kentucky and Louisiana. <laughs> Every few miles, there are whiskey distilleries. So, you know, (laughs) if he's taking those tours, getting those samples, I'm going to give the guy a pass. And listen, there have been some years where you can make that argument. A lot of years where you can say, oh, you know, the, the second or third best team in the Big Ten would be Kentucky in the SEC. This is just not the year to make that argument. Feel free to... To watch Fox at noon on a Saturday and see what some of the other conferences are doing. You don't have to just stick to the SEC. You know
1: what, guys? Ohio State is the Kentucky of the Big Ten. This is a top-two team in the SEC East, maybe a top-three or four team in the league overall. So maybe this Mr. Jones is not sliding Ohio State. He's giving some beef to Kentucky here. Let's consider all things. Okay. Okay. As we roll through, sell me why. We love a good rivalry game, right? This yeah. is not that. Michigan State and Michigan, supposed to be the big one, a big one. Uh tale of two teams on two very different planets this season. 24 to a half point underdogs, Michigan State at fanduel.com. It'd be the first night game in East Lansing between these two teams. This rivalry, the pride, is all of that enough to help Sparty cover 24 points against a Michigan team that's blown everybody out? Here's Locked On Spartans host Matt Sheehan to tell me why on Michigan State. Matt Sheehan, Locked On Spartans, and hello, Mark. How are you doing today? Why should you take Michigan State plus
3: 24 and a half against a juggernaut like Michigan and a juggernaut that may or may not spy on every single team it plays? Well, I, look, it fits every stereotype of, yeah, this is Michigan State's Super Bowl coming up this year. I mean, not. Uh, Find another game on the schedule that's going to be as big as this one for the green and white. I'm not sure if a luxurious bowl game is in the future. So, yeah, they're going to give every single ounce into this game. Now, just all that rah rah stuff aside, it's going to be a nasty game in the state of Michigan. And with 24 and a half points, that's a big total. We'll see if they can get the air raid going on the Wolverine side of things. And also,
5: I'm going to leave you with this little nugget here Michigan State at home, whether they're a good team, whether they're a bad team. They have covered six of their last seven games against the Wolverines at Spartan
1: stadium. They, they'd show up. They show up when it's time to play those guys at home. So yeah, 24 and a half points. That's why you take it. I mean, we are really not talking enough about how Michigan state's offense is Iowa in disguise. Most weeks. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is not a good Michigan state team. And I, I get it. Right. The Mel Tucker situation. These kids are reeling. We're talking about 18, 19, 20 year old kids going out there. So I, I understand it, but, Kenton, this Michigan team's been rolling through everybody. I don't know if I see why this week's different. We need to rename this segment "Sell Me Spies" because I don't (laughs) care if they got the
2: KGB, the MI6, the CIA. I don't care who Michigan got spied. Michigan is going to dominate this game. I here's the thing, Michigan, and by the way, they have already scouted
1: out Michigan State based on what we have Take that scouting report away. Yeah, they've already (laughs) got it.
2: And and not only that, here's the here's the biggest thing that I look at when I talk about this this game. Michigan State has gotten better every week in terms of their losses have been closer ever since that Washington loss and they've gotten closer and closer and closer. They're going to be a team that still doesn't feel good about themselves. A closer loss is still a loss. It's still a game that you look at and you say, man, this did not go the way we wanted it to. I know that their coach is going to say, hey, we're right there, guys. We're right there on the precipice. And then they'll see Blake Corham run by and he won't be this close. He'll be a little bit further. And then they'll see uh, Roman run by, and he won't be this close. He'll be a little further. They'll see J.J. McCarthy dotting up more folks deep, and they won't be this close. 24 is perfect because that's a game that, you know, I know that there is an actual rivalry named clean old-fashioned hate. I believe that's Georgia and Georgia Tech. Uh, But this is really, these two really hate each other. Like, this is real life. Like, oh, you're a little brother. We're big brother. Michigan loves the big brother thing and they take every opportunity they can to kind of, you know, hold their, you know, what's on these guys and say, Hey, we're big brother. Michigan state does everything they can to stop it. They just don't have the guys this year. They don't have a coach this year. Michigan covers easily.
1: Yeah. Dono. I, I, I think I'm there.
3: Yeah, I mean, Michigan obviously has a big quarterback advantage with J.J. McCarthy playing on a – he's not going to win the Heisman, but he's playing at a Heisman candidacy type of level. He's not taking that from Penix, but he's playing very well. And then another way to look at it, guys, is obviously Michigan is the better team. And I know Michigan State, if there's one game to get up for emotionally, it's this one. But still, going back to Michigan, who I think is going to cover this big spread, I think about the way that this now – Scandal could affect Jim Harbaugh's mindset. He's not going to call off the dogs, right? I mean, you think about it if Michigan, who I believe is head and shoulders, the better team here, Mm -hmm. they've got a three, three touchdown, 24 point lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think Harbaugh may take some of his frustrations out on Sparty this weekend. And so I'm, I'm, you know, normally I'd look at this and say, maybe they cover 24, 24 and a half looking at Michigan State. I don't think this is the week for that. I think Michigan wins by five touchdowns.
1: Now, wait a second. We've already, we know that Michigan State has said that they don't care. They'll play this game that they've already given the check. Remember the Incredibles. When it's dashed so fast and Mr. Incredible keeps going, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa slow it up. He wants them to get second <laughs> in the track meet and not look yeah. too fishy. What if Harbaugh's like, hey, listen. <laughs> hey, run it inside the ten and slow it down. Slow it down a little bit. Not act like we're reading plays over here.
2: Let me quote a, another Michigan legend, uh, Instagram comedian HaHa Davis. By the end of this game, Michigan State will be asking, Big fella, what is your frustration? Because there is going to be some ugliness on that field. Again, this goes back decades. As a a Detroit, Michigan kid here, I am telling you, I know exactly what this is like. This this game here, again, there's already hate here. You know that Michigan State fans are going to heckle and call them cheaters and all that. And if I know anything about Harbaugh, he is unapologetically himself. That is one thing that two, he lost out on the top recruit because he would not take his football cleats off in that young man's house. That is how committed to the bit Harbaugh is. There is no slowing down. If he had Dash, Dash would have won that race in .1 seconds. They would have went ahead, fired the pistol, and Dash would have been looking back at everybody like, oh, these guys still running? What's going on here?
1: I love it. Well, look, let's go to the Pac-12, which we gave a little up to Oregon Washington this week another big matchup it's being overlooked at this point it's a top 20 matchup it is USC and Utah Utah's ranked 14th which is higher than USC they're at 18 now after the loss are they fraudulent many are asking the Utes find themselves at seven point underdogs anyway that on FanDuel locked on Utes host JT who Worcestershire's try. Yeah,
5: Utah Utes can absolutely cover the seven point spread on the road in the Coliseum as they take on the USC Trojans. Hello, everyone. JT i of Locked On Utes here. And I know a lot of people are going to be high on USC because Utah doesn't have cam rising. But football games are not just won in the quarterback battle, they're also won at the line of scrimmage. And Utah has the number one defense in terms of rush yards allowed in the FBS. Also, this Utah team ranks top 10 in sacks, and no one in Power 5 football right now has more sacks than Jonah Ellis. So look for Utah to stop the run and get after Caleb Williams at a high level, and when you do that, you turn Caleb Williams over. Utah may not win this game. I think they have a good shot to do so, but I do believe they will cover the seven-point spread because the defense is going to have another dominant outing, and the offense will do just enough.
1: Yeah, it's JT Worcestershire sauce. I have confirmed. I've on my show like four times, and I still, it's the at the company, it's the one name. It's like there's so many consonants going on here. Kenton, Utah, USC this week. I'm not buying the Utes. I don't know if I'm buying the Utes without Cam rising. And guess what? I'm also not buying the Trojans. There's a there's a big paint drying competition over in Grosbeck, Texas this week. I'm gonna have to get myself out there. I don't know if I can make this game.
2: You know. It, as as poorly as we saw Caleb Williams play last week, uh, let me go ahead and quote a Leah here. If at first you don't succeed, dust yourself off and try again. A lot of, well, you're quoting a lot think, of people here today. Chris. I think. I mean, hey, there's there's a lot of quotable folks in the world, but I I got to give this game to USC because, and I think that they cover as well because while their defense is very suspect, so is Utah's offense. Like we've we've yeah. seen at multiple points this year that that offense, you know. I'm not saying that – you, you ever seen the meme where they said they're almost every quarterback in the NFL is Kirk Cousins? All I'm saying is there are a lot of college offenses that are Iowa. And Utah at times this year has looked like Iowa West. And yeah. with that being said, I'm not sure even against the fraudulent defense if they can keep up with Taylor Williams and college.
3: Dono. Oh, I'm buying low on USC. I, I think coming off of, you know, last week's, debacle against Notre Dame a 48 20 loss I think that's influencing the betting public I think that's influencing the odd make odds makers I think this spread would be and should be bigger in USC's favor if not for last week obviously USC has big question marks on defense but Utah without rising that's just not the team to exploit that well enough to win this game and I'm expecting a big time bounce back performance for Lincoln Riley's offense and Caleb Williams and company. So uh, I'm going USC to cover. They're a good team, not a great team, but they're good enough to win this game by more than a touchdown.
1: Here is one that won't be close. Staying in the pack. 12. It's number five, Washington unranked Arizona state. In Seattle, Arizona State's lone win of the season, week one against Southern Utah. The question here isn't can Arizona State win, but can Washington run up the score after last week's close win over Oregon? Can they cover 27 and a half? Here to sell us why they can do that is Locked On Huskies host, Roman Tomasov.
5: The Washington Huskies can absolutely cover this 27.5-point spread against the Arizona State Sun Devils. I'm Roman Tomashoff with Lockdown Huskies. And the first thing we have to think about is, of course, Heisman favorite. Michael Penix Jr. That's right. The Husky quarterback has been just fantastic this season, leading the Huskies to not only a 6-0 record and the number five spot in the AP poll, but the Huskies have at the very least pushed or if not covered the spread in every single game this season. The only one they even you know, considered pushing was against Oregon this last week. And Michael Penix has just done a fantastic job just throwing the ball all over the yard. This Arizona State defense is not great. And the other thing that we need to think about is Washington's defense has a chance to really get right against one of the worst offenses in the Pac-12. So with that being said, I think the Huskies can force a couple of turnovers, maybe even get three, four sacks on this Arizona State offensive line. And with the way that they put up points, I think that it's very easy that the Huskies can cover the spread this weekend.
1: Yeah, here's what I'm hearing, Dono. Washington good, Arizona State bad. That's enough for me. I'm passing on this one. Uh, I'm not
3: gonna pass on talking about it, but I'm gonna pass on betting on it. Can Washington cover 27 and a half points against a bad Arizona state team? Sure. Should they? Probably, but I'm passing on a number that big coming off a game as big as Washington just had, right? You you know, one of the biggest wins any team in college football is gonna have regular season all year long. Um, there's obviously an opportunity at a letdown. Now, a letdown game for Washington is still good enough to beat Arizona State relatively easily. But with that said, I'm not betting minus 27 and a half, not after last week. There could be a a bit of a letdown and a hangover. I'm staying far, far away from this one.
1: Yep, Kenton, final score 48-24 is not a cover here.
2: Here's the thing. Arizona State is not a good team. They are 2-4 and against the spread this year. Penix has looked amazing, but let me tell you something about that two and four against the spread. There are only two wins against the spread have come when the opponent has double digits to cover. Right. I think mm-hmm. this is another one of those games that, you know, Arizona state, the public perception of them is a little worse than they actually are. Number one, I'm not saying they're a good team. I'm just saying everybody thinks that they're like, they should be relegated down to FCS immediately, which yeah. I think a little bit of a reach there. And even beyond that, I'm looking at this Arizona State team and I'm saying to myself, y'all probably don't need to do that much to not lose by darn near 30 or 30 plus uh, in a game where, again, watch this coming off a huge, very explosive win where you know that they gave everything they had. They're going, you know, it's all right. Take it easy their way into a 14 to 20 point win this week.
1: Guys, I'm starting to break out in hives. We've spent so long not talking about the SEC. Let's get back to it. Tennessee and Alabama this week, one of the biggest games in the country. We'll be joined coming up next by Luke Robinson, host of Locked On Bama. But first, Dono. Guys, you got to
3: snap into action this football season, this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We've just heard all these sell me why's. Right now, new customers at FanDuel get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So if you've heard us talking about all these numbers and these lines, you want to sign up today. It's a great time to do it because you get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. At FanDuel, right now, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more. Visit Fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL.
1: Now we bring in Luke Robinson of Locked On Bama. Luke, before we get into this Tennessee matchup this week, we've got Alabama as still a heavy playoff contender while so many in the country have written this team off after that Texas loss. I know... Alex and Kenton both have some questions about this game, but I want to go more holistic. This Bama team, to you, are they playoff caliber right now?
0: This year, yes. I think in years past, no. And, I mean, you know, the problem with Alabama is they're generally compared to other Alabama teams. I mean, is this team as good as the one that had Tua and Jalen Hurts and Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris and blah, blah, blah? No, it's not. I mean, it's it's just not. But this year in college football, it's just not a great year. It's The teams are pretty good, um, but they're not great. I would not put them up there with, you know, Bama 2020, LSU 2019. I just wouldn't do it. Um, but so, yeah, I think they've got a shot. Now, the other thing is the, the schedule sets up pretty nicely. In fact, I would say it sets up just right for Alabama. You play Tennessee, who is ranked enough and who's good enough to at least give you some credit not take away from, from what you accomplished. Then you welcome in LSU. I assume they'll take care of Army this weekend. LSU Bama could be a game day type scenario because that's gonna be one of the biggest games. It's gonna be seven o'clock. CBS is gonna be a big deal. Uh, a lot of eyeballs on it. Then you go to Kentucky. Again, I know Kentucky's lost two in a row. Uh, they have not looked really great of late, But Kentucky is one of those teams that has garnered some respect. So it's not the Kentucky of 15, 20 years ago. Then, of course, you have the Iron Bowl. And, you know, look, we all know when you play Auburn in Jordan-Hare Stadium, that place is an Indian burial ground made out of crashed UFOs. Strange things happen. People are going to give you credit for it. And uh, so that's good. And then, of course, you probably play a Georgia team that is either going to only have one loss or, or maybe be undefeated. And if you can take care of that, there's no way you keep Alabama out of the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I a thousand percent agree there in terms of this game in particular. Right. What is the one thing that concerns you most about Tennessee? What is the one thing that you look at with Tennessee where you say "If, if Bama ends up losing this, it'll be because this thing happened with Tennessee?
0: Yeah, the only thing better than the rush at Alabama when it comes to sororities is the rush for Tennessee on the pass rusher. I mean, on the on the passer. I mean, they get after it. And um, Alabama doesn't protect their passer very well. I mean, look, Jalen Milrow is very big, very strong, very athletic, very fast, very mobile, and he's getting sacked about five times a game. That's a problem. And its I don't think Alabama's played a pass rush quite as good as this Tennessee one. Now, A&M's up there. A&M's very, very good. And the difference was we played A&M on the road, and we played Tennessee at home, so maybe that helps Alabama and, and keeps them from one extra sack. But I think the goal is going to be don't give up any more than five sacks. I mean, I think at this point, as an Alabama fan, we're all relegated to, hey, we're going to, we're going to be sacked five times, whether it's all on the offensive line, whether it's Jalen Milrow not throwing the ball away when he should or not taking off uh, and trying to get some extra yards. Whatever the case may be, five sacks is going to be what it is. Don't give up like eight or nine sacks. That's going to be the biggest thing. And I'm telling you, it's a threat to happen. So last
3: week against Arkansas, obviously a lot closer than it should have been, but I, I think it can be a good thing when a, when a great team kind of escapes with uh, with a narrow win. I'm sure Nick Saban has taken a lot of teachable moments out of that Arkansas game. What has the message been from Nick this week, and how do you expect them to respond?
0: Saban is trying so hard. You can read it in in, in between the lines here. He's trying so hard to figure out what's going to press this team's buttons. Um, this team has not put together... Uh, a full game yet. Jimmy Stein and I say it on Locked on Bama all the time. A team plays its best once or twice a year, its worst once or twice a year, and everything in between is what you actually are. And I think Alabama has sort of been what they are this entire time. So maybe they'll put together one of their better games. I mean, they're sort of due for one. Uh, It would be nice to see. Um, but as far as a message goes, look, this team is, is sort of a hodgepodge. I mean, nobody has stepped up to be an actual leader. That was kind of a problem last year. I love Bryce Young. I, I, I've made the argument I'm, I'm sort of walking this back, but I've made the argument Bryce Young may be the best player in Alabama history. The, the difference, uh, you know, from him and some of these other guys, he didn't have the weapons outside of Jamison Williams and John Metchie that first year where he played great, but then both of them go out in the national championship game. So he didn't, wasn't able to bring home the title, but um, we didn't have a leader last year. Bryce Young is sort of a quiet dude. And I mean, he leads by example more than anything, but he's not going to get in your face. And Will Anderson, as awesome as he's being in the pros and as awesome as he was at Alabama, he didn't seem to get into everybody's face either. So we we missed that, you know, having that dog in somebody that really got after it. And I think Nick Saban's looking for somebody to step up and take that role because he's tried everything. You can tell he's tried sort of getting on to him. That hadn't worked necessarily. Uh, and, and again, I go back to the hodgepodge statement where you've got uh, the these true freshmen that you can tell are really talented, like a Caden Proctor, but he's not putting it together yet. I'm, then you've got some guys that are transfers. You've got a quarterback that everybody hadn't completely bought into just yet. They, they bought him doing more than, than they had, but he's not, he's not, everybody's not totally sold on him just yet. And that includes the fans. So I, I think that there's it's going to be one of those trial-by-error things all season long. But if they can ever put it together, this Alabama team, in the end, has as much talent as anybody.
1: Luke, give me a final score prediction. Alabama, Tennessee, and Tuscaloosa this week.
0: All right, I'm going to stick with this because I just sort of pulled it out of the air a couple of days ago, and I, I, it would be sort of cheap to to change, change it. it. Yeah. I'm going 1914, which is oh. a, back to the 2015 game. I know, it's kind of stinky, oh. uh, considering in this day and age of offense. But look, these – with the new clock rules, and you say, oh, all you're missing is five or six plays, those are a pretty big deal with these two offenses. I mean, Tennessee is a running team. Uh, Alabama, yes, they can have the big plays, but if they don't hit a big play, Alabama's had some problems doing anything else. So, uh, and their running game hadn't really uh, busted out just yet. Yeah. So I think that uh, we're going to see a lot of two, three, four yard gains in this game, maybe a couple of sacks, maybe not three and outs, but like uh, you're going to have a first down and then a three and out after that. So we're going to have, a, you know, the punters are going to get some workouts. And this is a throwback to the 2015 game where Alabama won 19-14 and, you know, two great defenses. I I, I sort of see this, and two quarterbacks, by the way, that almost mirror each other except for the fact that milrose has been sacked 26 times and uh, Milton's only been sacked eight.
1: Yeah. Luke Robinson of On Bama playoff hopeful. Thanks for joining Lockdown College Football Kickoff Live.
0: Thank you guys for having me.
3: My legs feel great, and they look really good in my bird dog shorts. Guys, I've been loving bird dogs since they came aboard here at On. They've opened my mind. Bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog Shorts, they do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. I've tried them both. I can vouch for that. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dog's fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches to give you a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And I need this in Florida badly. Bird Dog's uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric to keep cool and dry all day long. They are functional for every occasion. Guys, go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter promo code locked on college at checkout for a free bird dogs, water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you.
1: All right, guys, it's time for game time decisions, some booms, some busts. Let's wrap up today's show with everything you need to know this week in college football. We'll go boom or bust first. And, Dono, I'm going to pitch it to you here. You're usually pretty rosy with your booms, your busts. Where are you leaning this week? Do you give me a boom? you give me a bust? What do you got?
3: As much as I'd like to give you booms only, um, I can't ignore... USC that was a train wreck last week and I, I did I, I think at least two of us if not three of us on the panel did predict Notre Dame to win the game because of you USC's questionable defense but what I did not expect was three interceptions by Caleb Williams, the constant pressure and duress that Notre Dame put him under. So it wasn't just USC's defense. It was their offense and their Heisman winner as well that let them down last week. And even though I do think the Trojans will respond this week, they've got to get a bust last week because that's the type of game that obviously is going to haunt you when you're trying to get into the college football playoff. And unfortunately for Caleb Williams, that performance probably takes him completely out of Heisman contention so that that is my bust um, for my boom uh, Mizzou got a big win last week but yeah. I want I want to go sorry Kenton if I took you yours, my boom right. you can right. go into more detail I'll let you have the rest of that because for my boom I go individual I don't know if we're allowed to do this but Michael Penix Jr. I, I thought nobody raised their stock high, and the stock was already soaring but yeah. It's booming now to the moon. Nobody raised their stock higher last week. Getting that win with that throw mm-hmm. that he made, in addition to a bunch of other tremendous throws that he made, that was a Heisman moment for the Heisman Trophy front runner. That's going to be on every highlight reel when he receives that award uh, in a couple of months in New York. So Michael Penix Jr. is my boom. Yeah, uh,
1: Ken.
2: Yeah, so he he got me with the Mizzou boom, and that's all right. That's all right. That's all, It's okay. I'm going to tell you this. If we're talking to individual players, Luther Burden III, okay? He's a receiver out of Missouri. He had 100 yards per game, or over 100 yards, actually, well, well over 100 yards. The lowest that he had in any of the five games leading up to this was 114 yards. Last week, two receptions for 15 yards. He's coming back with a vengeance. He's going to do something crazy this week. I'm already expecting it. I'm already calling it. I'm already seeing it. And my bust for the week, I hate to have to do this, but too many people say I'm biased, and they say I'm a homer, and they say i will Oh, I'm do it. Do so it. So I'm going to bring them on down to the carpet. Dave Dorn and the NC State Wolfpack, come on down. You let a team beat you completing four passes? No. Four passes with a backup quarterback. Wait a minute. There's more. You let a team beat you and you had more drops than they had completions. (laughs) You let a team, the the lowest average score in the uh, ACC, the lowest scoring offense in the ACC is Virginia. Averages 22.3 points or something along those lines. You put up three. (sighs) Yeah. You couldn't score a point per quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Come on down. Bust of the week. A team that many people saw as the dark horse of the season. That had to be a low moment. I expect the pack to bounce back. I really do. I expect them to be better going forward. But they need to be called to the carpet for
1: what was an abysmal performance last Saturday in Wallace Wade. Non-competitive is the way I would say. Non-competitive. Give me my boom this week as a team that we didn't talk about much past their loss to Washington State. But it's Oregon State. And the reason I put the beeves as my boom is we're going to look up in a few weeks at nine and one Oregon State and think, wait a second, here's a team that is fighting to stay relevant in college football and being a power five conference who might win their power five conference championship in its last year of existence. They're at Arizona this week after a double digit win against UCLA. That's probably a win, though. Arizona also a booming team right now who's been pretty even keel this year at Colorado. That's a win for the beefs Stanford. Give it to them. Nine one going into Washington and then Oregon. Certainly they should lose those games, but now the story flips. It's not, ah, oh, you know, Oregon state's just piddling around playing Washington or Oregon. Now this team looks pretty legit. Oregon state, a boom. And guys, we can't let them escape. We can't let Louisville escape without giving them a bust. Yeah. Talk about non-competitive. This game in the second half, the Cardinals were held scoreless. They were seven-point favorites last week. We all, what is it, rat line, rat line. And it wasn't just just a a cover for Pitt. They won by 17 points. Kenton, I will pitch this one to you really quick before we get into our game time decisions because you're locked on ACC. This was bad.
2: Oh, it was God off. It was god awful. And if you listen to Locked on ACC, which I hope you all do, I've said multiple times on the show, if Jack Plummer can put out five elite performances, just five elite performances on the season, this team will be a-okay. He clearly was not elite in this game. His wide receivers did not help him. A lot of drops there. It was a tough game overall for Louisville. And this wasn't really a game that you look at and you say, man, Louisville is just they, they just uh, are showing up and they just got all the bad breaks. No, 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 no. Pitt was creating the bad breaks, henceforth breaking their spirit, henceforth breaking their undefeatedness, henceforth breaking what honestly and truly could have been something super special for Louisville in terms of potentially running the table mm. and getting to an ACC championship. All of that was broken. And of course, who was it broken by? Who was it broken by? A pit team with MJ Devonshire on it. Every time you see or hear the name MJ Devonshire, it's a pick six. Remember last year against uh, West Virginia? Pit six. I this know. year, another pit six. MJ Devonshire is Johnny on the spot whenever you need him, but Louisville threw it right to the boy. You know, it, it's it's been, it's been a tough week for Louisville fans, and, you know, we're not going to end it nicely here. Ken Gibbs
1: said they might be last year. Could they be a TCU type in the ACC? Could they be that team? that? Uh, nope, they lost nope. to Pittsburgh. Nope. They lost Not to Pitt. Uh, college football's biggest games this week. Let's go through and pick them. We start in the Southeastern Conference, Tennessee, Alabama. Dotto, who do you like to win this game in Tuscaloosa?
3: Oh, I like Alabama and it it goes back to the conversation we had with Luke. Um, you know, you guys know I, I like to I like to buy low. Uh, that was just uninspiring football that Bama yep. played, nearly blowing an 18-point lead against a bad Arkansas team. That Nick Saban, like Luke said, is always trying to figure out a way to push his team's buttons. I think, you know, bouncing back, it was a dub last week, but bouncing back with a better performance against a ranked opponent is something I expect the Crimson Tide to do I also don't trust the Tennessee volunteers to win big games play consistent football so uh, I, I think if anything you're learning you should probably have Milro throw downfield more often that's where he's most dangerous uh, I see the Crimson Tide winning and not, not necessarily saying winning big but I see them winning by more than a touchdown
1: Kenton
2: they need to change that young man's name from Bazooka Joe to Sniper Joe or something because at the moment, he could not hit the side of a Super Walmart from the parking lot. And if you've ever seen the Super Walmart in person, those things are massive. With that being said, give me Bama. Uh, The reality is very simple. I do think that this is going to be a low-scoring, defensive field possession game. And with that being said, if that is the type of game that's played, it's hard for me to go against Bama. It's hard for me to go against Saban. Saban is the ultimate game plan. Like, everybody talks about different coaches and what they do, what they don't do, and all that. Tell me one time that you've seen Bama lose, and at any moment you say, Saban managed to clock incorrectly. He took a bad decision in in going for it here. He's done thing X, Y, and Z. I don't trust Hypel as much as I trust Saban. I think Bama gets it done in a close, low-scoring game.
1: Saban's still great against his assistants, though not perfect any longer. He gets it done against Safe Pick. Safe Pick, Alabama beats Tennessee by at least a score this week. Let's take you to the ACC where you two guys camp out. Duke, Florida State. Duke, 14 and a half point dogs on the road after a dominating win against NC State, Dono. This is a tough one because
3: I I wish I had a crystal ball to know for sure that Riley Leonard is back for Duke. And even if he is, is he close to 100% because obviously listen, Mr. Beeland, their backup did enough completing four out of 10 passes. Two of those were touchdowns last week to give Duke a W Uh, he's not going to be able to lead Duke to a victory against Florida state. You've got to have Riley Leonard. You've got to have a healthy Riley Leonard back. So um, if, if he plays and he's 90, 95%, I'm going to say Duke can cover because Florida state, you know, in certain games this year, like against Clemson and against uh, Boston college, they're undefeated, but they've had a couple of dicey performances. You could see something like that happening against Duke. If Leonard plays, if he doesn't play, I think Florida state covers 14 and a half. And if we find out he's not playing, that number is going to get bigger than 14 and a half. So watch out for that. But either way, I see Florida state winning. It's just a matter of how close is it going to be? Because nobody is stopping Keon Coleman. That yeah. dude is just on another level right now. Their wide receiver.
1: Kenton you with it.
2: Duke's defense is elite. Yeah. They have an offensive line that is physical. They just pound on you and beat on you. It's just body shot, body shot, body shot. And then you drop the hands. And what does a good boxer do? They hit you with the hook. Unfortunately,
1: unfortunately oh, you meant body shot as in like boxing okay
2: yeah Yeah. yes I don't. okay all right that sorry is. kid
1: I just graduated college we would go to Cancun the Duke, and I, I Duke, kids,
2: the Duke kids do not party like that especially <laughs> not for football but that's neither here nor there the reality is very simple too much Keon Coleman too much Jared verse too much uh Kalen Delos this is a a Florida State team stars at every level not good players stars guys that will go on not just to play on Sundays, guys that we're going to be talking about in terms of, oh, yeah, we got to get him in fantasy draft coming up. And, uh, you know, we talk about Riley Leonard's injury or not. Johnny Wilson, what's going on there, right? Because if he's good, if he's good, that's another one that can influence this line because while Duke's secondary is good, while their defensive line is good, and Florida State has struggled a bit up front at times this season, I don't see a world where they can check both Johnny and Keon For an entire game and this thing be close, especially without Riley Leonard, because from what I saw last week and how bad his hobble was, even if he does play this week, he won't be anywhere near the Riley Leonard that we've seen. And his legs are a big, big part of not only his game, but a part of Duke's offense. So with that being said, regardless of Riley Leonard plays or not, regardless of his Henry Beeland don't matter. You know what I mean? It it could be uh, Riley Leonard, Riley from Boondocks, you know, O'Reilly Auto Parts, give me Florida State. Uh, and they're going to cover.
1: Before we close this thing out, we already covered and sell me why USC and Utah. So we'll give you Penn State, Ohio State, 11 a.m. on Fox. Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt on the call. Kenton, who do you got in this matchup?
2: These defenses are going to prove to be human. Both of these offenses are going to have very great days. Go the over. I'm going to go 31 to 28, uh, Penn State.
1: Penn State with the upset outright,
3: Dono. I'm going the other way, Ohio State by three at home. So I think Penn State will cover, but just not quite enough.
1: We stay low scoring. I'm going to take Penn State to win this game. 20 to 17, 37 points combined. Penn State gets it done on the road. We got it done today. That's Kenton Gibbs, Locked On ACC and Locked On Wolfpack. That's Alex Dono of Locked On Canes. Drake Toll from Locked On Big 12. Thank you for making Locked On College Football Kickoff Live your lunchtime. Listen, 11 a.m. to noon Eastern time every single Friday and wherever you get your podcasts as well. This has been and always will be Locked On College Football Kickoff Live.